This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Got Joel Strickland back for another one here today, and we've got at least a special topic to talk about for us and that is um, picking the right property in Arkansas when looking to either start an outfitting operation, a duck club, or if you're just looking to get a personal lease and, and hunt down there like that. And the reason that we're talking about this one today, and Joel, I'm just going to get it right out right off the bat so nobody has to listen and then wait till the end of what we're doing. Um, we're actually going together and we're going to start our own uh, waterfall operation in Arkansas, which is the, uh, the wintering grounds for most of the mallards and so forth here in, in North America and really the North America mecca of waterfall hunting, I guess you could say. Um, personally, I've been looking for a, a lodge or an area in Arkansas for a number of years and, and a big part when I look at areas to acquire or starting an outfitting operation on is always finding, number one, the, the best person to run it, right? And anybody that knows Joel knows that, well, he's, he's obviously uh, very knowledgeable, but also a great manager and so forth and respected. And I couldn't think of a better person to, to kind of run our operation down there. So Joel, how are you doing today before we get uh, get all these questions I've got here listed and, and how we pick the property and so forth of starting this up? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great today. I'm excited to be with you, excited to be talking about our new uh, endeavor that we're just getting started with. Yep. No, it's a, it's a good one. And, and again, I've been looking in Arkansas for a number of years and just hadn't found the, the right spot, right lodge, right person. Um, and as fate would have it, I met Joel on a, on a conservation snow goose hunt a couple of years ago. And, and when I'm in the field, I'm always meeting new people and their, and their unique individuals that, that just ring a bell with me, right? Like, like somebody like, man, um, he would be really great at running his own operation if he would get his, if he would get a chance to do it. And Joel, when I met you, I didn't tell you at the time, but, but I thought that instantly just getting, getting in the field with you and in the lodge and so forth, getting to know you and your, and your wife and so forth. And just that always stuck in the back of my head. So even though you didn't know it, I was then all of a sudden I checked one of the three boxes off for myself, right? Like you need the person to run it, need the lodge, need the right ground. I checked off. I think I, I think I know the guy to run it. So now it's fast forward. And I think it was man, six or eight months ago, we finally connected and said, Hey, I think we're both both looking in the right direction here of what we'd like to do. Let's let's get active and see if we can't find the right piece of ground as the next step. Yeah, you know, and and the location, finding the right piece of ground is is really uh, what it's all about as far as being able to make all the things right for you. And you know, you you mentioned whether you're looking for a place to lease or buy a small place to develop in your own for your own hunting or trying to do an outfitting uh, deal, you know, those are all three very, very different, unique needs. Uh, sometimes 
one can be all of those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, realistically, uh, what we're trying to do is a very, uh, very particular type of, of location and property in the right area and all those things so that, you know, we're not just going to be hunting two or three times a week. We're yep. hunting every day. Exactly. And so you know, what we need is, is uh, something very unique. So as from your history, Joel, I mean, from all, all the hunting that you've done in Arkansas, the outfitting and the, and the guiding and so forth, like for this project, let's just get really specific. So for our project of, of wanting to go and starting outfitter from scratch, right? We're going to an area that's never been outfitted before, no lodge in place. We're going to build a, build a lodge on the property and so forth. So this is literally from scratch. So Arkansas is a, a blank slate from you being able to go and, and really pick a location anywhere in the state. What was the what was your first step when you're like, okay, I'm gonna I want to go in this area because of X? Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of different factors. Um, you know, people think of Arkansas, they think of Stuttgart, I and mean, it's one of mm -hmm. the first locations people think of in their mind, and that's where I've been doing a lot of hunting for the last dozen years. Uh, it's a it's a really great area. We've had some fantastic hunting, you know, in spite of, you know, what a lot of people seem to think that, you know, Arkansas is not not good anymore. I, I, I beg to differ. Uh, it's still phenomenally good. Mm -hmm. And Stuttgart area has been great. But there's a couple of things uh, that, well, probably two or three things going against you when you're looking for a place in Stuttgart. Number one, can you find a place? Mm -hmm. Can you really afford what it is that they have because most people are very, very, very proud of what they have everywhere, but especially as far as duck hunting in the arc in the uh, Sutgard area. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, can you pull off, is it not just, not just a private hunting club. It's a, you're trying to pull off, you know, an everyday deal. You have enough land that you can do it. And so, uh, I, I thought, you know, I don't know that I want to be in the Sutgard area. I, mm. I love being down there, but I want to branch away from that. Uh, I started looking north of I-40, if you're familiar with Arkansas, from Little Rock to Memphis is Interstate 40. And so I'm looking north of that line, and that's what I started uh, looking for. And it was very difficult. I mean, it was, it was hard to find anything. Uh, I called uh, several uh, friends and said, hey, if you, if you hear of anything, let me know. Uh, I asked, you know, called a few real estate people. Uh, and, and, you know, most of them said, you know, we've got some listings, but what you're looking for is probably not going to come up very often. And if it does, you need to jump on it mm -hmm. because uh, it's just such a, a particular thing. And so, you know, I started looking in the cache and the White River uh, areas because those are historically the biggest concentrations of birds uh, come down those corridors in the eastern part of Arkansas and particularly north of I-40. Not to say that they don't fly all the way down to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. They do. But... Uh, you know, if I'm picking, you know, kind of hedging my bets on what's going to happen in the years to come, uh, what's happened historically, I love that area. I, I started my very first, you know, several years of duck hunting was on the Cash River and the White River areas in, you know, that part of Arkansas. So now that you had this, this, uh, call it region of Arkansas that you're looking for, which is still a, I mean, it's a big swath over there. Like as you started to look at, at various properties that were either listed for sale or really how you find a lot of the hidden gems is you start to hear, right? Like they're not listed yet, but you can, somebody knows that you're looking and they'll get you the, the, Hey, this person's thinking a listing, um, type of thing. Once you knew what area, like what, what type of habitat are you looking for on that ground now? Like what water, what timber, um, what grasses and so forth when you're like this, this is ideal obviously location to the river and so forth like that. Like what does the actual ground hold? Yeah. So, you know, when you're looking at a specific place, you know, of course, everybody, when they think of coming to Arkansas, they want to hunt in flooded timber. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for a place, you know, that we're going to try to buy and, and develop and make for a hunting operation. Uh, I want to try to get some land that has some flooded timber on it. So that's number one. Uh, but if I'm looking for the whole big picture, honestly, I'm looking for an area that they can feed and they can rest in, uh, loaf in, and and be right in a, a pretty good flyway area uh, close to other areas that have higher concentrations of ducks. But specifically, flooded timber and something that they can feed in. So whether that's agricultural ground like rice, 
soybeans, corn, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, or more soil habitat. And I have been very big on moist soil for 20 some odd years. Uh, I was introduced to it by a guy named Jody Pagan uh, back in the late 90s. Uh, and he is a, a wildlife manager, a biologist, and has developed millions of acres all across the country uh, in moist soil habitat, WRP and WRE uh, areas. And he, uh, like I said, he turned me on to that. And I learned really just in a few years how important that type of habitat is for for wintering waterfowl especially you know in our area in arkansas it it gives them cover it gives them an incredible amount of food it's natural it's it's inexpensive uh to do compare comparing to like i want to grow you know a couple hundred acres of corn or rice or whatever and then leave it for the ducks i mean it's a lot less expensive and labor intensive than that once you get the property set up to do that and so that's really what I was looking for. I wanted to find a place that had more soil habitat that had, you know, good cover and flooded timber and, you know, with it. Okay. And, um, like you, you, let's touch on the flooded timber real quick. And it was one of those things, I guess I didn't realize how at demand and how expensive existing flooding timber is in Arkansas. Like you think about like a, for any any deer hunters that are listening here, like if you think Iowa or Kansas or shoot, even here in Michigan, right? Like if you get a good 40 acres or a good 60, like good deer hunting property is expensive. I would take that times it by four. And then that's what good flooded timber is in, in Arkansas right now as far as value behind it. So when Joel was going out and we were going out, we were looking for something that, man, if it would have had flooded timber would have been great. But we're also looking for something that has the right size property that has timber on it that we can flood. So there's while we were going and looking for this, realizing there is no property that is 100% set up for what we want to do. And we're going to have to do some habitat work behind it to create what we envision with the property. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about flooded timber, I mean, you know, and I've said some of these things on my videos before, people uh, that that have not really hunted in what I would consider flooded timber. And what I consider flooded timber is a green tree reservoir, which means okay. it is a artificially uh, created habitat that is a fairly flat section of woods that has a levee around it, and then you pump water on it, and it stays a consistent water depth. Now, you know, in Arkansas, there's lots and lots of bottomland, you know, adjacent to rivers and, and, and waterways, that sort of thing, that flood naturally when mm-hmm. the rivers come up with floods. Um, but, you know, and, and that's obviously flooded timber, uh, but you, it's hard to control that sort of environment. And that's what we, you know, we, uh, we see a lot of that as well. But, but what, what I'm looking for is a place that, you know, we can create a green tree reservoir or purchase an already established green tree reservoir that has live oak trees in it that grow throughout the year and when they become dormant you can flood water on them and hunt ducks in it and then in february you pull the plug you drop the water out of it and then the trees start growing exactly and and anybody that's that's been with me or followed me like any of the outfitters that make a great outfitter is when you can control the controllables so when I say that, what, is, what does that mean if I can control the controllables as an outfitter? It means the guides I've got in the field, the equipment that we run, the areas that we operate in, um, the food that's served, right? Anything down to that, the, the customer service all along the way. What can't you control? I can't control weather. I can't control what the moon does on, on the time that you're in. Like Those are things I can't control. But if I can control the controllables, you'll be setting everybody up to have a great experience when they come with you and that increases the the rebooking and so forth. So when, when, when Joel mentioned, if we can control when the areas are flooded versus if we were on a, on something next to a river and say the water level doesn't come up for the whole waterfall season, well, then you can't hunt that area, right? There's no water in there. There's no reason for the ducks to go in there. Then it's just a muddy area. So if we can control our, our flooded timber area and flood it each year to the depth that we want, now you're controlling another controllable along the way. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and, and you're, you're so right. The, the, the things that we can do is, is we can create a, a safe and fun environment for us all to go hunting 
we can make and prepare the place for the wildlife. This, mm. In this situation, the ducks and geese make a place for them to come to, but we can't control when the weather and other elements cause them to move and, you know, arrive on the wintering grounds. And so yep. sometimes it happens like clockwork. Sometimes it doesn't happen until later in the season and we can't control those things. We can't control wild animals and weather. Yep. We can control all those things that you mentioned. So what, what brings ducks to Arkansas? What makes it like, I've heard wintering grounds in Arkansas probably a hundred times over the last year. Like what, what brings ducks to Arkansas in December and January? That's a great question. You know, um, I think you, you ask, you know, five or six very, you know, well uh, educated in all of those things, people. And they're going to tell you, you know, some of the same things, but a lot of them are going to tell you different things. And, mm-hmm. and I think over the years, uh, a lot of that is, is changing. Habitat is changing across the country. Weather is changing. The time in which we get weather, you know, the ducks used to come on the calendar mm-hmm. uh, a large portion of the ducks when i started hunting in the in the 80s uh, a lot of those ducks would come just because it's time for them to go south and there wasn't a lot of habitat from you know the breeding grounds to the to the wintering grounds and mm-hmm. so they would bypass a lot of the areas coming down and so when it starts you know the, the photo period you know creates in their head i gotta go south and that's what they did and so you could you know, the calendar, you can look at the calendar and know when, you know, certain types of birds were going to show up. It's not that way as much anymore. There are certain birds that will fly on the calendar, but there's a lot of birds that only come south if they have to. And so that means if they don't have food, which is number one, they got to have food, they're not coming south. There's still a lot of ducks that will remain in Canada and in the northern states, even uh, way, 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 all the way through, you know, all the way through January mm-hmm. a lot of times because even if there's snow and, and, and frozen conditions, if they still have a place that they can get to food, they're going to stay there. And so, uh, you know, we have what I call the weenie ducks that'll, that'll move early when it gets a little bit cold. But the hardy mallards and, and some other birds, uh, a lot of them won't come south until we get a drastic weather change. Um, when we see years of drought in the Midwest, mm-hmm. when there's not enough food. Like we have seen, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of that. Uh, it tends to make the ducks come south a little bit sooner because they find an area that they come to in Nebraska or wherever, and it's dry mm-hmm. and they don't stick around very long because it's it's either dry because mm-hmm. there's no water there or there wasn't enough food that grew in the summertime. And so they're pushing on through. So, you know, it's kind of a combination of, you know, really what it comes down to is if they have food, they're staying. If they can get to food, they're sticking around. The majority of the birds will. And we just hope and pray in the South that uh, something happens at least somewhere in December to get the birds to come South. And it happens. It happens every year. We get, we get our birds, uh, but some years it's always better than others in some way. Some years it's not so good. And that kind of leads into the next question I was going to ask is what keeps the ducks in the area when they get to Arkansas? And that's, you kind of answered it's the food and habitat that's there. It is food and habitat and giving them protection from too much, you know, pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that is one thing that a lot of people tend to overlook is, you know, if you have a whatever, say you've got an 80 acre rice field that you've leased and you've got a pit blind in the middle and a blind on the north side that's, you know, where you've got some trees and a levee. And, and you've got a couple of blinds and you want to hunt that and that's your only spot you got. And you're going to hunt that thing four or five times a week. Mm-hmm. You're going to run all your ducks off. Yep. Uh, you, they've got a place where they can go and rest and not get shot at. And so, you know, you see, uh, especially with private land owners that are developing properties for their duck club or for a hunting operation or whatever, uh, they will place, have an area on their property that is a sanctuary area that they very rarely disturb the ducks, you know, because we, if you don't have a place where they can get away from pressure, from being shot at, from people driving around them and scaring them up mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, then you're, you're going to run them off the whole area. And, and the earlier it is in duck season and the less water is on, you know, is in our state, you know, then the more critical that is, the more water there is or more places for them to go get, you know, get away from people shooting at them everyone just wanted to drop in and remind you of some important tag deadlines we have coming up 
The state of New Mexico has their all species on March 22nd, and Wyoming has their bison on March 31st. Make sure to give the team at WTA a call and get applied. Yep. Now let's get let's get specific on the property that that we just purchased, um, and how the habitat changes and so forth of how we're going to set up specifically on on the pro, on the property that we have now. So just take it, Joel, like where it's located, acres and and areas that's that's got timber on it, and what the habitat looks like on it. Sure. So uh, our property that we just purchased is located on the White River, just uh, just close to Augusta, between Augusta and, and Bald Knob. And we have about, I think it's about a mile and a half of river frontage. Uh, and then uh, it's a little bit less than uh, 1,700 acres total. And on that, we've got about 900 acres that's open ground that used to be a soybean farm for, I don't know how many years, many, many, many years. And it was uh, enrolled into the WRE program a few years ago. And they came in and developed it as a wetland type of area. There's impoundments across it. There's like six or seven impoundments that we can control the water on. We can uh, pump water to it if we want to and uh, let water out when we want to. And, and then the balance of that 900 acres that is not in impoundments, uh, it will naturally flood when the river gets up. Uh, and then it's been those areas, it's probably, you know, 70% of that entire area has been planted in hardwood trees. So there's been uh, several hundred thousand hardwood trees was planted on it uh, about a year ago. And so that's, uh, that's the open ground side of the property. And then through the middle of the property, we have a, a great big giant creek that a lot of people would say, oh, that's a river. I mean, it's big and it's deep. Uh, and so that kind of divides the property. And so on the west side of the property is all woods. And so we have a combination of, of lowland, uh, bottomland, you know, hardwoods. And then we have a little bit higher ground uh, pine trees that are mature. They're ready to be harvested if we choose to do that. Uh, it's, a, it's really kind of a, of a beautiful uh, scene as far as the, the pines because there's uh, really tall grass in it. There's some upland birds uh, that, you know, quail and and woodcocks and things like that that are that are in that area. We got turkeys. We got lots of big deer on the property, and so it's really a very unique property. But like you said earlier, uh, there's there's no buildings on it. It's a blank slate. Mm -hmm. uh, the guys that had the property before us did uh, did the you know the enrollment in, in in the WRE and and took it out of production. So we are you know, the work they've done is the first step. But really, we've got a blank slate, just like you said. And I'm really excited about that because, you know, from from a standpoint of being able to watch the habitat grow and change mm -hmm. and we enhance it uh, and see it happen from really the ground level is, is so super cool to me. And ducks are already using it. I mean, yep. we've had a lot of ducks on it this year. Now, um, as we as we do this, there's an area that we're going to flood in the timber. Um, one of the questions I forgot to ask early on, like, what is the ideal depth in the flooded timber of water? You know, um, I personally like it to be boot deep or less. And so what that means, you know, if you're wearing a pair of waders, the top of your boot is like 17, 18 inches mm -hmm. deep. And so, you know, when I, when I like to pick a place to hunt, no matter whether it's woods or, or open ground, you know, farm ground, whatever it is, I kind of like that boot deep or, or less ankle to boot deep, you know, 12, 18 inches deep. Now, is that mean that it doesn't work if you hunt deeper than that? Well, if, if you've duck hunted very much, you know that you can, you can shoot ducks in a dry field and you can shoot ducks in an, in an ocean. Yep. And, and so they're, they're going to use lots of different things, but my opinion is as best we can uh, control that depth to, to that, you know, boot deep, you know, situation and realizing that there are going to be some places it's going to be a lot deeper than that. And some places it will be, you know, shallower. Yep. Yep. Now, um, so we've, we've got the property. How many blinds are you planning to have on the property when it's, when, when it's all said and done? That's a great question. Uh, you know, so on the open ground side, it's like, you can't have too many blinds yep. because we've got so many different, uh, little impoundments, uh, and, and then even outside of that, we've got tree lines that would be adjacent to good places. Uh, we've got uh, a kind of a willow break that runs through the middle of the, of the open ground side of the property. And so, you know, there, there are 
50 blind locations that you could put blinds in that would make sense to do that. Mm-hmm. You got to be, you know, reasonable. So to make a, uh, uh, to be a beater on the bush for your question, yeah, I think, I think the first year we're looking at 12 to 14 blinds probably on the open ground. Mm-hmm. Just Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Because as we go, we're going to be learning how the birds use it. I mean, it's 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 been, you know visited by ducks for years but it, it's it looks different to them than they've ever you know there's no real track record on the property since we've developed since it's been developed into you know more soil habitat and all yep. that so we're going to learn a lot before we decide how many blinds we put in so i say probably a dozen to 15 blinds on that side and then on the timber side we'll probably put a few in the areas where the water's going to get really deep and then mm-hmm. of course everybody wants to stand next to a tree yep. and, and shoot a duck. So, you know, you don't need a blind necessarily in those locations, but you know, we'll probably put four or five blinds on the, on the wooded side as well. And that's uh, just so everybody listening. So we'll have close to 20 blinds year one and that's year one, right? Like as, as Joel right. said, um, once we get more knowledge on the property, see how the ducks are working it. Like we'll add more blinds in because as Joel's operating the lodge, he doesn't want a morning to where he wakes up and sees what the wind's doing and goes, ah, we don't have a set for that. We need, we need a blind for whatever the weather, whatever the wind's doing. And with our, and I should, I should know also besides our, our own property that we're going to, um, that we have, and, and we're going to create into this, this waterfall Mecca for, for our operation. We're also going to lease other ground and surrounding areas. So we'll be able to bounce over, say, and say, we need to go do some goose hunting in the afternoon. We'll be able to go do that. If there's other flooded timber, we'll be able to go, go bounce and do that. Um, just to kind of make it a, a full package for everybody. But I can tell you, um, I was hooked from the second I, I stepped on the property, right? Like for a guy from Michigan, um, I stepped on it and went, holy smokes, just because it is a blank slate and we can create it into what we want. And the ducks are already there. It's ideal, right? Like it's it's the habitat where the ducks are already at. We can just improve it more and get them in there even more so. Um, that's that's what excited me. And and Joel mentioned the the pine area up, up that it said it's higher elevation, in Arkansas, I don't know if that means it's 18 to 24 inches higher than what everything else is. Like, that's the hill on it. Like, I always joke, there are no hills in Arkansas. But it is higher, and that's that's where we picked and, and where we're going to build our lodge. So, Joel, let's talk about the lodge that, that we're going to build there. Like, as you drive into the property, what you'll see, the surrounding of where the lodge is at. Yeah. So, we're, we're still in the, uh, the planning stages and development and really trying to decide – you know, where we can build, what makes the most sense, uh, and then exactly what we need. We, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, been in several lodges, uh, worked in several lodges and, and I've been in lodges all over the country and, and been in a lot of duck lodges in Arkansas, both private and, and commercial hunting properties. And so I know, kind of know what I think we want, but mm-hmm. then when it, when you're presented with let's build one, I mean, you, you're kind of like, Oh, well, uh, man, I can kind of at least interject what I think I want. And yep. then we kind of have to figure out, well, what makes sense for, you know, from a financial standpoint, what makes sense for the, for where you're actually going to put it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how do you want to make it look and what makes sense for the, the flow of what you're going to do on, you know, in the lodge with how many guests you're going to have all those things. And so we're trying to decide that, but, uh, we've, we've got two places picked out that we feel like are going to be, you know, one of those places where we're going to do the, we're going to build the lodge. And uh, the, the idea is we're going to uh, clear out a section of the, of the pine trees where we put the lodge and then create uh, some type of a, 
you know, a, a small lake or a, a big pond, uh, maybe with some moist soil habitat around it so that it will attract ducks and geese. So, you know, when we are, are kind of hanging out in the late afternoon, right before dark and the sun's going down and there's ducks landing behind you, everybody's like, oh, man, this is awesome. I mean, that's that's what yeah. you want to see. And, and a lot of places, uh, a lot of friends of mine has have lodges and that sort of thing and that's kind of how they they build it it's it's just a, a neat uh, place to be it's a it's a safe place for the ducks to go and it's you know very enjoyable for the guests so uh, you know we're, we're we're planning i think to to create a a lodge and a hunting operation that can that does is not going to be gigantic we're mm-hmm. not going to be trying to run 30 hunters uh through we're going to be uh focusing on special attention uh you know 12 maximum 16 guests sort of thing we'll probably be doing the 12 guest thing for quite a while just because we want to make it we want to get to know our our hunters that are coming in mm-hmm. uh and just develop relationships with them and have fun with them and not just be some big gang of a lot of people yep. hanging out the those are great but that's not really what we want to do exactly exactly and as as so i've i've been i don't know if you could say fortunate i've i've been the the involved in building lodges from as far north to canada all the way down to mexico um and things I've learned along the way. I mean, obviously we get better each, each time we build a lodge though, right? Like where our entertaining area is, is going to be, um, we're actually looking at doing it in a, possibly a separate building from where the, the beds are, right? Like some of the lodges you go and stay at, if you're a hunter and you're like, okay, a group of people want to stay up, play pool, watch TV, and they're doing that till midnight or whatever. But then you have a certain group of, of clients that want to go to sleep at nine thirty or 10, right after dinner. Um, and sometimes the noise keeps them up. So you learn these things along the way of how to separate the noise, how to get the flow of when a client comes in from, um, hunting flooded timber, right? He's, he's muddy, he's dirty. How do you get that flow of taking that hunter fully geared up shotgun muddy and getting the flow of his gear in his area in a, in a locker up front and then flowing him all the way through the lodge to get him to his room and then then back out to dinner and so forth so lots of like the little things like that I think we're getting pretty pretty darn good at um I'm excited mm-hmm. to see this one come to life and what it's mm-hmm. like just because of where just the location of where it's going like it's picturesque. Like I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better area that there's going to be a lodge situated in just for what's there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned kind of 12 hunters, 12 to 16 hunters in camp. How many hunters are you going to have per blind? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably as best we can. We want to keep keep it to four hunters, mm-hmm. you know, guide. Uh, we'll probably have some locations that we can hunt maybe six or seven people just because they will be, you know, there may be times where, uh, depending upon the way the groups come in, they want to, you know, they want to hunt a little bit yep. larger group or be able to, to, to shoot more birds in a particular spot. But I'd say we're going to probably most blinds are going to going to be able to 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 accommodate, you know, four four hunters plus a guide all the way up to about, you know, seven or eight guys. We're not probably not going to be building giant, you know, 12, 14 man blinds yeah. uh, there. Out of places in Arkansas, I like to do that. But my experience is most of the time, guys really want it to be a little bit smaller so yep. they can what duck they shot. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. When you're speaking of what duck, so what species are are going to be majority in our area? Well, Arkansas is always known for coming. You come here to shoot greenheads, and yep. so uh, we'll definitely be at the top of the list. Probably the most common ducks we shoot. Uh, teal will probably be a, a close second. Uh, really, you know, all of the of the uh, dabbler species are going to be, you know, common. Uh, I've been out on the property since uh, January, uh, and we've got, you know, everything you can think of. I mean, we've lots of pintails, lots of teal, uh, widgeons, some gadwalls, and that's kind of the the majority of what you see along with the mallards. Uh, but but honestly, we're right there next to the river, and so some of our deep spots, we do see occasionally some divers, uh, uh, you know, some buffleheads and mm-hmm. some ringnecks and canvasbacks. We've seen uh, quite a few of those, and so, you know, there's going to be a lot of, lot of variety of, of, uh, of ducks. Uh, shot, a, you know, quite a few wood ducks this year, and, and then there's, of course, the geese. You got oh, yeah. snow geese, blue geese, speckle bellies, and a few Canada geese as well. Yeah, and the spec hunting in Arkansas seems to just keep getting better and better each year. When you uh, yeah. when when you're when you're setting up the blinds, like what 
what are the 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 target shot distances of when you're setting up a blind, knowing knowing where it's going to be at? Like, what what do you pick for a target shot distance of saying the majority of the ducks should be in this zone? I like to get them in at twenty yards. That's that's what and, I'm and, what and I'm tight and close. Yeah, close. And and knowing that they don't always get that way, you know, sometimes. But if you, if I'm shooting them long from a twenty yard plan, you know, that long is maybe 30, 35 yards. It's, yep. and that's you know, the woods, it's, it's a lot closer than that. They're going to be in your face. Yep. Yep. And so explain the difference of, of the spread that you'll do kind of more in the open areas versus what you'll do in the timber. Yeah. So, uh, everything is day by day, you know, for me, that's my experience has been, you, you don't have a, a, a list of, all of the, you know, uh, today I'm going to put out the, the J hook pattern or yeah. I'm going to do this B thing or whatever. I mean, it's strictly uh, based on what have we been seeing the birds do and, and the wind and how high the wind is. You know, my, my philosophy is I only put out as many decoys as I can have moving around. So if it's a dead, calm, flat day, I'm more likely to put out a dozen decoys or 18 decoys um, and then run a jerk cord or some mm-hmm. kind of motion to keep them moving. If I got a lot of wind, I'm more likely to put out six or eight dozen decoys. I typically don't put out hundreds of, of uh, duck decoys in my spreads. And so I'm, I'm more likely going to put some type of a, of a, a hook type of pattern with an opening, or I may put um, a pattern where I've got a few ducks on the downwind side and a mass of duck on the upwind side and then a hole in the middle and they fly across the, the few and land just before they get to the to the big spread of, of decoys and so that's kind of my main open water type patterns in the woods a lot of guys want to fill up their hole you know you'll have yeah. a hole that you hunt in the woods and they want to fill that hole up and and then what but what tends to happen is it, the birds flying over see those decoys but sometimes they have trouble getting in there and doing what you want them to do because a duck doesn't want to land on top of another duck yep. so what i normally will do in the woods is i'll put two or three decoys in the hole and then i'll put a lot of decoys outside the hole because what typically happens is when you see a lot of of ducks coming into the woods they they circle they get in the hole they all come down into the hole and then they land and then they immediately swim out into the into the woods yep and that's what we try to to imitate is just showing a couple of ducks in the hole and then a lot of ducks you know in the woods which makes perfect perfect sense um so explain what a normal day of hunting will be for for a potential client as we open up to to start booking this for in the future. Like, what's a normal a normal day as you see it running through the lodge? Sure. So uh, I would say, of course, depending upon when shooting time is, uh, we will likely everybody will probably get up around five o'clock in the morning, something like that. Uh, we'll have some coffee and some type of little snack type deals that they can grab real quick, get your boots on. And then depending upon how far away we have to go, if we're going to be just driving on a ranger straight from the lodge, or if we got to get in the truck and drive a little bit, or we got to drive a long way, will depend on what time we leave. But typically I would think we were going to leave probably 545, something like that in the morning, uh, get to the property, drive out and, you know, do our hunt. Uh, we will have uh, places where we will drive a ranger uh, that, you know, like a, a side by side that you can put six people in. And so we'll drive right up to the blind, step out and walk into the blind. Uh, some places we'll ride a boat. And so we'll drive, you know, up the creek where we'll drive, you know, through the middle of the woods. We may have a, 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 a launching spot. Uh, right there in our impoundment and and do that sort of thing. And so that's kind of the, the, what'll happen. And so we'll motor into the spot, get out, throw the decoys out. I typically don't leave a spread out all the time. We'll, we'll usually throw the decoys out. It takes five minutes to do it right, right before we start hunting. And then we, we do our hunt. Probably we'll hunt till about 10 or 1030. That will give us enough time to feel like we've, we, you know, can do what we can do. And then mm-hmm. we get out of there. So birds can have it have rest and we're not beating our places up so we can do it every day now we're not going to hunt multi, you know we're not going to hunt all we're going to have a lot of blinds so we're not going to hunt them all every day uh you know we will just kind of make decisions on where we hunt based on you know how much pressure we think that the birds are going to take in that location 
And But I would think more than likely we're going to have probably no more than one or two times a week in any specific place. Yep. So the hunters that come with us won't be going to the same spots every day. Like we, we shoot mm-hmm. this spot in the woods t- today. We're not going to go back in there tomorrow. We're going to go over to the more soul habitat, maybe, you know, a, a tree line blind or, you know, something out in the middle. And then the next day, you know, we'll go to even somewhere different. So they're going to get to see a lot of different territory. The habitat is so varied. You know, we've got buck brush sloughs. We got creeks. We got open ground, more soil habitat. We got woods. And so it's really, you're going to get to see a wide variety of different types of habitat that you would hunt in Arkansas. And then we're going to also lease some farm ground too. So you're going to get to, to participate in just about everything you would want to, you know, in Arkansas. And so when we hunt till 1030, uh, pack it in, and then we'll have a, a big brunch uh, back at the lodge, and uh, that'll be great. We'll, you know, have bacon and eggs and quiche and, you know, it's fruits and, you know, all kinds of different things that you would have, have at a, a late breakfast. And, and then in the afternoon, we, we'll have some different activities that, uh, that it might look like uh, doing a, an afternoon goose hunt, might be, uh, you know, shooting uh, some, you know, targets, clay targets, mm-hmm. sporting clays, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and, you know, other types of activities like that. So that'll be a lot of fun in the afternoons and, and then dinner time, uh, you know, right before dinner, we'll have, you know, hanging out around the, the, the outside, we'll have some type of, uh, uh, fire pit or, or an outside fireplace or something like that in the, in the, behind the lodge overlooking the lake. That'll be a, a fun time. We'll have hors d'oeuvres and that sort of thing. And then we'll, we'll eat dinner and, guys get to do whatever they want to after that uh some will want to go to bed some will want to hang out and play cards maybe play pool mm-hmm. uh, watch a ball game you know lots of different uh relaxing things that they can do Hey everybody, I'm a believer in using the best and that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are. They're the best in the market. If you're looking for accuracy and dependability, make sure to go check them out. Get that gun of a lifetime coming your way at gunworks.com. Hey everybody, I've been partnered and working with Bass Pro and Cabela's now for a long time. They're your one-stop shop for anything outdoors. Personally, I use them for all my camping and backpack needs for all my backcountry trips. Make sure to check them out at BassPro.com or Cabela's.com. Hey guys, are you into keeping your whitetail herd healthy and strong? Go check out Buck Bourbon and their full line of mineral and attractants. Personally, my favorite is 110 proof because I've had some great memories and great deer taken over top of it in the state of Kentucky. Born from bourbon, field tested, wildlife approved. Check them out at buckbourbon.com. So explain on this one, because uh, I mean, part of as we, we laid this out is when we have clients that, that come into our operation, this is this especially is one that we really want to focus on on having great food at, right? So anybody that's been to Goose Haven up in Saskatchewan, another one that we, that we own and operate, the, the food is what, like we can set ourselves apart from competition in lots of different ways, right? And I look at food as being one of the ones that it's it's e- not necessarily easy, but it's one that that we can definitely set ourselves apart from the competition, and that's what we're kind of driving for in this location too. Obviously, we want to have the best hunting, we want to have a, a a great lodge, great entertainment, great guides, great equipment. Um, but food is just another one that we're going to really focus on. So when you come and come and hunt with us, you're going to have a great time in the field. Then you're also going to have a great dinner, great breakfast, everything along the way. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, the food is, is, is to me, it's one of the most important things in, in it because you can go and have a not so great hunt because mm-hmm. we can't control how good the hunting is going to be. We can give it our best shot. We can go where we think the ducks will come to. And for whatever reason, they just didn't work that day. Mm-hmm. But if everything else is is a positive experience, and especially the food, people remember that. You know, I, I I've uh, you know guided it at another lodge for a number of years, and I'm also been the chef there along with my wife. And the one thing that they ask the guys when they come back the first time they step into the lodge, you know, from uh, from the you know from from last year, they come back and they're they're asking me, "Hey, are you going to make that?" blah, 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 yep. like you did last. I mean, right. they, they want to know because that's what they remember. They remember if they had an unbelievable hunt, obviously, but they're talking about that food and they're, you know, some of them guys will be texting me and asking me for recipes or oh, yeah. they'll, they'll 
asked me how we did that. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the next level, you know, kind of food is, is definitely what, we, what we're going to do. We're going to do really nice plated meals, uh, you know, like you would get a, at a really, really nice restaurant. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's what I like to do. That's what my life, wife likes to do. We love to to blow people's minds with what we put on the plate and what they what they taste. And they mm. just go, oh, that's incredible. So we do it with traditional, you know, uh, beef and, and pork and, and chicken and that sort of thing. But then we also do it with wild game. So, uh, you know, when, when you come hunting with us and one of the meals, uh, will probably have some type of wild game with it. Uh, there'll be maybe ducks and geese, maybe some, uh, goose appetizer, uh, maybe, um, some, some, uh, deer backstrap, uh, steaks and stuff like that. So, uh, that's something that we love to do. And it, it blows people's mind. A lot of people don't, they think they don't like duck mm-hmm. or they think they like wild game. And uh, we can prepare it to the point where people go, this is duck? I had no idea. This yep. is like a phenomenal dish. Most people think it's one of the greatest dishes they ever eat and they just never knew how good it can be. Most people overdo it. Dry, Indeed. Dry duck is tough. Yeah. So uh, one other thing I, I heard you talking about and I just want to point bring this up because we have a, we, one of the first things you got to do when you get a property is you got to be able to access it. Right. So we bought a ranger for the property and we put tracks on it. Um, mm. and Joel, I saw it the day after the tracks got put on it. How have the tracks worked on that ranger? Let me tell you a little story. Um, I'd never, I'd been on a machine with tracks like maybe one time before. And I just really didn't understand the value of what tracks can do for you. Uh, a, a buddy of mine hunts the property across the road and, and he's, uh, he's one reason why we, we actually have the property mm-hmm. is because he told me about it, about it. But, but, uh, uh, he told me, he said, you're going to need an Argo or you're going to need a Ranger with tracks or something like that to be able to access this property. And so we bought the Ranger and we ordered the tracks, but it took like three weeks for us to get the tracks. And so I started out driving, you know, on the property and, you know, I mean, I was careful and I mm-hmm. knew, you know, well, I, like this awful soft, I better not go there. Um, but then, uh, one day, um, we, we were moving a blind and we put it into this location that was really mucky. And I really had, I didn't have any intention of actually taking the, the uh, machine into the worst part of it. I just was pulling the blind behind it to get it close. And then we were going to, you know, figure out how to get it in there. Well, I got, I didn't even get into the water and I buried that sucker up. And, and so there was some trees out in front of us. I was like, well, I'm just going to winch it to the trees. And once I get to the water, usually what happens is when, if you can get to a couple of foot of water, the compression of the water onto the mud makes it more solid and then you can drive on it. So I'm thinking that's what I'm going to do. Uh-huh bad I, <laughs> and so i got more stuck and more stuck and more stuck i had i had uh rhett um strickland no no relation but rhett strickland was with me uh, from avies and he and i just did everything we could to get that sucker out of there and it didn't work so i called a buddy of mine he pulled me out so fast forward a couple of weeks later we get the tracks on the machine and it's time for us to move that blind that we had finally got in there time to move it out Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine who had tracks said just drive it in there and pull it out i said dude you don't understand i said you can stand there in front of the blind and sink up to your knees you can't even you can't even move when you're walking how am i going to get this machine in here so i pulled the machine in there he 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 talked me into doing he said listen i guarantee you you're going to be fine he said if not it's my fault i'll get us out Mm -hmm. okay i drove right in there all the way across in front of the blind. You've been in that blind, Mark, so you know where I'm talking okay, yep, about. Yep. We drove right across the front of the blind, all the way to the dog's the dog end of the blind where the dog sits, which is the worst part of it. I hooked a, a toe strap onto the blind and pulled it out of there like it was concrete. <laughs> oh man! I mean, it blew my mind, and I was like, okay, I, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a set of tracks on every machine we have on this property. This is crazy well that and one of the 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 side benefits of it too is it doesn't tear up the property doesn't leave the ruts from having the tires all over the place and so forth which right. was which was nice for nice for me to see but that was my first time on a on a ranger with tracks too and i was amazed how that thing just glided over everywhere yeah so one of the one of the i guess side benefits of when we were picking this property out that again we didn't look for at all is 
I think we're going to have some amazing deer hunting on here. I mean, we're not going to run 45 guys through here, but I think there's going to be six to eight deer hunts that we run a year up a year on the property and we're going to target some big deer explain like the 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 deer habitat there and and what the surrounding properties have done over the years yeah so uh that area is known for big big deer uh back in the 70s uh they the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission did a trade with Wisconsin and they brought in some Wisconsin deer and released them in that entire area region of the state and so we've got big deer genetics that live there and then of course the agriculture in the area you know doesn't you know doesn't hurt at all to to put uh, the weight and and nutrition mm-hmm. on the deer that they need and so yeah there's a lot of big deer on the property and in surrounding areas uh we are very uh very close to the to the uh hurricane management area just just to our south, uh, a lot of big deer, you know, on that area. Uh, our neighbors have shot some really, really big deer over the last couple of years. I've, I've heard, uh, you know, 160s and 170s uh, from two different neighbors. And, and so I've seen with my own eyes a couple of really, really big deer uh, last week even. Uh, uh, most of them have already lost their antlers, yep. but it, I saw a giant deer on the hoof. Uh, that you know because the the river was coming up and so it was forcing them oh, to high ground and high ground, it, yeah. man it's just I mean I got excited so well, yeah there's there's big deer uh, you know we we're we're running trail cameras of course it doesn't it almost doesn't matter now since like I said the, the antlers are off but we'll be running trail cameras all summer to assess what we really have using the property regularly but I'm not going to be surprised if there's several. 150s to 170s on the property. I'll be pre- I'll be pretty excited to see once once summer comes and and the horn growth starts what we actually have there. And again, that was just kind of one of those side benefits of having a great piece of property and and man that that half mile along the river really plays into having timber and so forth there. Yeah. So <clears throat> here's a probably the toughest decision that we had to do along along this. It wasn't where we wanted the property once we found the property it wasn't that wasn't wasn't having picking joel as the guy that's going to run this it wasn't the food it wasn't where the lodge is going it was trying to come up with a darn name for this right like a name incorporates so much of of an outfit or a club or anything that you have of making sure that you pick a name that really encompasses the area that it's in but also what you're going to do um and I have to admit, Joel came up. Joel came up with the the name, and once he said it, it was golden. So, Joel, explain how you came up with the name, but then more so the backstory of of really what the name is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, w- well, we we spent. I mean, even when before we even got the property, we started saying, "Well, we need to think of a name." Mm-hmm. And I started putting, you know some time into thinking about it and it's it's taken a long long time i every every guy that came out to the property to help me do stuff we'd have brainstorming sessions we brainstormed with you know with you mark and and ryan and 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 you know just trying to figure out the right name and we had two or three that we you know were pretty good Mm -hmm. uh and a whole bunch of them that well no we don't want to be we don't want to be on the X outfitters, yeah. you know, on the X like or, or feet down, wings out, like any <laughs> any any of that stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And, and so, um, one of the coolest place places on the property uh, is on the the big creek, and uh, there's a there's a spot that uh, there's a an old bridge that I don't even know when it was built probably well definitely over a hundred years ago probably in the late 1800s if i had to guess uh you can definitely see it on old topo maps from the early 1900s and so you know it's there and then sometime it was destroyed and never rebuilt and so uh but there are still parts of that bridge that are still there there's some big concrete platforms that that are uh, um, you know, where you would have driven, you know, across it. And again, this was probably done with a horse and a buggy, uh, maybe early uh, cars, you know, in the early 1900s may have may have driven across that thing. But it's a it was a suspension bridge. And so you can see the big cables 
the remnants of the cables where they had gone across the bridge. And I have done a lot of research. I've, I've talked with a few locals, the older, you know, guys that, that were around or they remember maybe their, their, their parents talking about it, that sort of thing. And we, we still haven't got it all nailed down exactly the story. So I really don't want to get into kind of bits and pieces of it. But, but the bottom line is it's a very cool spot. There are remnants on both sides of the creek of where the bridge was. The, the concrete posts and pillar uh, and supports and all that kind of stuff and the cables. It's just a cool place. And, but we still don't really fully understand everything about the lost bridge. Mm-hmm. And so I started calling it the lost bridge. And, and then one day I was hunting with a group of guys and I said, we're going to go hunt over there by the lost bridge. And I was like, that sounds like a cool name, mm-hmm. like the lost bridge. And so I kind of beat that around with some of my buddies a little bit to kind of See what they thought, and they thought oh, that sounds cool. So I added it to the list, and then when I shared it with you, Mark, you go, "That's yeah. the one." That's so instant. We call it the Lost Bridge Duck Club. And I, I like as soon as you said it, I'm like, "That's it. It's it's the Lost Bridge Duck Club. That's that's what the name is." Like we had some close ones to where you're like, "Yeah, that'll work," but it just wasn't that. Man, that's it. And as soon as you said it, that was that was it. So everybody listening, Lost Bridge Duck Club. Um, we're going to have a ton more information coming about it here in, in the near future right now. It's uh it's go time, right? Like it's, we've, we've got the, the starting stages of the lodge going. Um, one of the things about Arkansas is it is wet and it is muddy. So not shockingly, we have to wait for the ground to dry out a little bit more, which again, right. being to Arkansas, I don't know when that happens. Like you kept saying, I heard a couple of months from, from Jason or whatever. And I'm like, listen, yeah. I, I've been to Arkansas numerous times. I don't think it ever dries out. It's always, always wet there. Um, but then also yeah. we're, we're getting going right from day one. We've got habitat changes and, and things we're going to do to, to, man, we're going to want the ducks to land on us. And, and once we're done with everything, they're going to want to. That's the exciting part. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that, that I would like to mention about it too, when, when, we, when we learned that this property was available, I mean, we we didn't do like a lot of him hawing around and thinking about it and spending weeks and weeks and weeks trying to figure out if we wanted to do this thing. Uh, you know, I went out on the property and looked at it and made a quick assessment that yeah, this is this is in the right spot, location, location, location. You know, check that box, and then and then you know, I reported back to you and, and you said let's do it. Yeah, and like we we bought it like that, and now. And and, and it, everything has just gone so fast, mm-hmm. you know. And so we're just kind of like racing as hard as we can because the time is ticking away between now and when hunting season starts in 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 November. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's for for people listening. They're like, man, that's crazy. How do you how do you do it so quick, right? Well, this is one of those things that if you don't act quick, somebody else would have acted quick right behind you. Right. So it would mm. like, this isn't, this is a piece of property that wouldn't have hung around very long. Um, and it was perfect for what we wanted. We, we, we jumped in with, uh, both feet, um, and excited to see what, what first year brings. And as this thing grows to the future. So anybody that's listening, that's, that's looking for a, uh, top notch, high quality place in Arkansas to go give the team at WTA a call. We'll be able to get you lined up here. Um, we do have some groups that are, are, it may seem crazy. We've all this is happening. We've, we've got some larger groups that are already, um, going to commit and locked in for, for that. So, um, it's one of those things. Dates are filling up quick as crazy as that is already. Um, but one, one other thing just to tie back on, on the, on the moving quick on it. So at WTA, we, we own and operate a number of outfitters, um, from Canada, U S and Mexico. And a lot of those are sheep areas. And I'm going to explain the the sheep comparison to a waterfall here as quick as I can. So when you have a great sheep area, we've got a great sheep area in, in BC. We've got the best in Alberta. We've got a great one in the Yukon. When those become available, the, the number one thing is there are not very many of them, right? And if you have one of the top production ones, and that's got years and years of history behind it, you have to be able to move pretty quick because there's going to be somebody else right behind you that that's going to move quick on it. So at WTA, we've just gotten a habitat when the right area opens up and it's one that, that we've been looking at or know that's successful and we have the right person that can manage that. We jump pretty quick. And that's exactly what we did here in Arkansas because it's the right area. We've got the right person behind it. We're going to do the right changes to it. And man, the place is going to be amazing. 
It is going to be amazing. I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's it's a very special place. We, we had no water on the property when we bought it in January. I got I got a power unit hooked on to the pump and we pumped the water on. And within five days, then the first unit, we had ducks. Um, when we got water in the second unit, we had a little bit of rain and it was it was magic uh, the amount of birds that, that came in there uh, really eight or nine days after we turned the water on, probably around the eighth or ninth or tenth of of uh, of January. Mm. And it was thousands upon thousands of ducks. And a buddy of mine that was out there scouting with me that afternoon when when we saw just the crazy amount of ducks, I was like I looked over at him and I said, This is gonna work. Yeah. That's it. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Joel, thanks for coming on today. We're um, Anybody listening, we're going to have Joel on uh, a few more times throughout the year just as we work on different habitat things. Because um, after our first podcast, Joel, we got a lot of comments back on our side of, of man, I wish you guys would have spent a little bit more time on, on this. And a lot of it's the detail stuff, right? Like people love about the habitat, what makes the area great, what do you do to increase ducks on your property and so forth. So we're going to do a lot more of those on, on the property as it's developed down there over the course of this year and into the the future um and also keep everybody updated as, as the progress goes and man it seems like what is it february now november is going to be here before you know it and the next thing you know you're going to be hunting in december and january thank you everyone out there for all the support and downloads don't forget go leave a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcast that always helps also if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime go visit wta at worldwidetrophyadventures.com or give the team a call in the office at 1-800-755-8247.